All right, everybody, now's the time. Brown right, motion, tailback slant. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for fucking dinner, all right? On one, ready? Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. In this episode, we're going to cover our regular weekly picks of all week six games across the NFL, Andy's total prop tees, and news of the week. But first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, is Andy, the prognosticator Atridge. How are you, bud? I am all right. Thank you very much. It's a, uh, a fine fall day here. Um, as related to last week's pick, you know, it was kind of a whatever week um, on the gridiron, but the biggest prediction and prognostication of the day happened in the octagon. And my boy, Magic 8-Ball Matty Buller, not only did he say who was going to win the fight, not only did he say uh, it was going to be by submission, but he actually called the round that it was going to be done in. Now, if you didn't see that on our Facebook page, shame on you. You should be going there constantly. Um, we put that up earlier in the day. That would actually paid 20 to 1 if you bet exactly the way Maddie described it. So good for you, dude. That was awesome. Thanks. My, uh, my bankroll is thanking me as well. That was uh, a nice little boost to the account. Did you get any action in on the after fight fight? No, I didn't call the after fight fight, although I should have known, you know, those two guys absolutely hate each other. It's, I know that Dana White probably, you know, didn't want to see that, but I mean, it's what gonna, are you kidding me? Well, what no, could be better for ratings? No, they're good for ratings, but also he's got a, it can't be fun to have to talk to the Nevada state athletic commission and smooth this over after he just had to smooth out the Conor McGregor throwing the dolly at a fucking bus in New York. Like Conor McGregor can't fight New York anymore. What happens if Khabib can't fight in Nevada for a while, they're going to have to hold the next fight, the rematch on like an aircraft carrier in international waters. because <laughs> they, they can't fight anywhere else. Cause nobody will let them, but it was a great fight. Um, as a guy that I'm not an excellent pr practitioner of jiu-jitsu, which is why I know when you are against somebody who is, when they get you to the ground and they don't want you to get up, it is a very, very frustrating time. And I knew Conor McGregor would be frustrated by that. Look for him to, if there is a rematch, he's going to work on his jiu-jitsu. But Khabib is a black belt that actually humiliates other black belts. Conor McGregor, I think, is a blue belt, which is just one above a white belt. So, I mean, he's really got to hope that if he fights Khabib again, when Khabib shoots in, that he can knock him out with a shot, kind of like he did with Jose Aldo. Shut your fucking mouth! Well, again, people, um, if you haven't already done it, uh, please like or join our, our Facebook page. Uh, please subscribe to it on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we did some analytics this week, and it turns out that people that subscribe to our podcast and get it automatically win 13% more of their bets and in fact are currently enjoying 21% more sex than their non-subscribing counterparts so it's well worth your time to subscribe well what's awesome too is the other 79% can just sit around and jerk off so you win either way
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One more thing before we go, Andy, a big thank you, because last week, and this is to all our listeners, you made us the biggest success that we've had here on Almost Wise Guys in that we had over 17,500 plays on our podcast. Uh, we expect it to only go up from there, but thank you all for tuning into it and uh, putting our stuff out there. If you like, Andy always says, if you liked it, you know, share it with a friend. If you hated it, share it with a couple enemies, right? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Shall we get to news of the week? I think we should. Came out in a report this week that cannabis is more harmful than alcohol for teenage brains. Teenagers using cannabis are causing long-lasting damage to their developing brains, a Canadian study suggests. It found that the impact of thinking skills, memory, and behavior was worse than that of teenage drinking. The researchers from the University of Montreal urged teenagers to delay their use of cannabis for as long as they felt able. Or until they were drafted by Florida State. Hey, man. Am I driving okay? I think we're parked, man. Revenge was on the mind of a British man, Dale Leakes, after his girlfriend jokingly whipped him across the butt during a trip to a horse riding shop. Leakes wanted to have a laugh, so he did what any clown would do. He decided, you know what? I'm going to sell her. So while she got ready for their night out together, Leakes put his girlfriend of one year, Kelly Graves, up for bid on eBay. Although he listed her as a miniature collectible, he described her more like a used car, saying she made constant whining noise and that the rear end leaks a bit, but it's nothing that can't be plugged. And bids were actually coming in from across Europe, United States, even Australia. He thinks to himself, oh no, what have I done? And 24 hours later, by the time eBay removed the ad, the highest bid had reached the equivalent of $119,000. Uh, the post, which has been seen over 81,000 times, was taken down due to eBay's policy against selling human body parts or remains. Hey, Maddie, do you think Ben Roethlisberger made the bid himself, or do you have his agent doing for him? And you got to wonder, if it was going to be shipped to Ben Roethlisberger, would she have been shipped in the bathroom stall? All right. Uh, lastly, congratulations to Mr. Drew Brees setting the all-time NFL passing record, eclipsing the 72,000-yard marker. Now, for those of you that aren't so good at math, 72,000 yards is exactly 40 miles. So just to put this in perspective, that is a marathon plus the amount of distance an Uber driver needs to travel before Jameis Winston sexually assaults them. But seriously, what a class act Drew Brees is. Uh, he has been since the beginning of his career when he was in San Diego. And, uh, you know, he brought a Super Bowl home to a town that was ravaged after Hurricane Katrina. And he is going to be in the Hall of Fame first ballot, I'm sure. So, anyway, can't say enough good things about the guy. So, congrats to Drew. And what a super awesome dad, too. I love what he said to his boys on the field after he, uh, he sets the record. Uh, about you know working for what you accomplish and things that you work for you can accomplish and uh, also uh, what's very interesting about this to me is a lot of people you see on Twitter and and other forums saying well you know the the league's changing so that record will be eclipsed I don't really think so think here think about this okay Drew Brees 
if he hits 80,000, because right now he's 70,000 and change, and he's still going to play for at least a year or two, right? Now, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it would take another quarterback 15, 5,000-plus yard seasons to actually eclipse Drew Brees' mark. That's like Wayne Gretzky's 50 goals in 39 games. I don't know if it's ever going to be beat. Well, and also, you know, just the way that the league has trended, you know, he's like the Cal Ripken of quarterbacks. Uh, you're not going to, there's very few guys like him and Brady that have, and Philip Rivers that have, can play so long without major injuries. Yeah, he's so. missed only three games in his uh, entire career. And that's pretty awesome, too, considering that San Diego got rid of him 13 seasons ago because they thought his knee was done. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> what have they won lately or ever? All right, it's time to fire it up with our weekly picks. All right, on to game one. We head to Atlanta where the Falcons are three-point favorites against the visiting Tampa Bay Bucks, And uh, this is uh, Atlanta. They were a Super Bowl favorite coming into this year, Andy. And where are they now? Uh, they're at the bottom of their division. They've got one win. Yeah, I think and an Amber Alert was sent out during last week's game. Uh, their defense has been missing for the last five weeks, and no one can find it. Well, I think they should try putting the cheerleaders or some of the officiating staff in their defensive backfield because they are absolutely decimated back there. I was actually uh, thinking one of those uh, noodles with the waving arms they have at uh, Carlotts to try to get you. Oh, yeah. And, yeah and, uh, Throw one of those in the second. Jewelry stores. Yeah, that would make sense. At least it might scare Tampa Bay a little bit. But what was interesting about this line, so it opened up actually a three and a half for Atlanta. And then just today, it ticked down to not only three, but with juice on the box. And I'm not exactly sure why, uh, because it hadn't wavered all week. Now, Jameis Winston's coming back, and as much as you might dislike the guy, he's still a decent quarterback, and now he's actually playing for his own drop. And he can get the ball down the field. And I think those uh, wide receiving re uh, weapons that they have are going to get open they're going to get separation and even though he's not as accurate as some guys in the league he'll get the ball to them and i well first off let's just acknowledge the fact that tampa bay and atlanta are the 31st and 32nd worst defenses in the entire league in fact tampa bay is giving up 34.75 points a game and atlanta 32.6 so you can't get any worse defensively than these two teams so there's going to be a lot of points scored who's going to score the most you know what? At three and a half, I love the Bucks. I'm still going to take them at three. It, Atlanta's horrible, and I think Winston, like, the Bucks are coming off a bye, which means Winston's coming off a five-week bye. So they're rested and ready to go, and I, I, I think this is a good spot for them. It might be a good spot for the over as well. Well, I don't know how high this can climb. It's actually not even the highest over on the board this week, surprisingly enough. Um Right now, 65% of the wagers are on the Falcons. And right, and as far as I know, that's the most heavily bet side this week, which means that the Bucks are likely going to cover. But I subscribe to the law of contrary public opinion. 
If everyone thinks one thing, then I say bet the other way. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. All right, the professional football team from Washington. They're at home and one-and-a-half-point favorites against uh, the Carolina Panthers. They may have won it last week in, uh, in very heroic style with a 63-yard field goal, but they did it against the New York Giants. And if Carolina has problems against the New York Giants, they're going to have an even bigger problem with the professional football team from Washington. Well, the Carolina Panthers were lucky to eke out that win. They probably deserve to give that game up the way that the Giants came back on them in the second half. Uh, 63-yard field goal is not something that you see every day, and hats off to Gano. That thing would have probably hit from 70 yards out. The importance that are placed on kickers isn't high enough as far as I'm concerned, and that's one one great example. Washington got embarrassed on primetime on Monday night. They didn't look like a professional football team from anywhere, in fact, which I think favors them going into this game, other than the fact that it's obviously a shorter week for them. But I'm looking for I'm looking for them to have a rebound game. And I don't think the Panthers I don't think the Panthers are gonna be up to the task. I think Washington is gonna put on a bit of a clinic. Uh, you know, even though the fact that they lost on Monday, they still finished today at the top of the division. So that's how close knit all those two uh, well, all those four teams are within um, the That's NFC so cool. East, though, the NFC East, though, sucks. Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. Well, I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Well, that's what I mean. That's it is a I horrible mean. division. <clears throat> it's the worst division right now, I think, statistically. And But they need they only need a win, and they're a game ahead of everyone. So uh, I'm, I'm just looking for them to have a, a better performance, and I think their better performance is going to be better than what Carolina is going to put on the field. On to England, where the Oakland Raiders are hoping to, maybe if they can't win a lot in North America, maybe they can win across the pond. Uh, And they are two and a half point underdogs against uh, the Seattle Seahawks, who played their hearts out in an unfortunate loss to the L.A. Rams last week. But they their offense seemed to get going last week, didn't it? Well, they did, and hats off to their offensive line. Uh, they held Indomitian Sue and, and uh, Aaron Donald at bay. They had almost nothing going on in terms of a, a pressure or pass rush. So that was surprising because... Seattle doesn't have a particularly good offensive line. So they played really well. Now, there's a lot of factors to consider with this particular line. Obviously, the biggest one is time zone. They're traveling eight time zones to get there. I think in games like these, it comes down to coaching. Which coach has better control of their team? Because these guys go batshit crazy when when they're overseas. It's a big party for them. So... That being said, Pete Carroll takes his team over on Wednesday and gets them four days to acclimate themselves. And John Gruden takes his team over on a Friday, two days less. And the other thing, 
this is considered a, a home game for the Raiders, which means under league rules, they're, they are obligated to perform certain functions um, in terms of public public uh, appearances and also charitable events. And so that's that's already taken away from their practice time, and yet they don't show up until Friday. So right there, I think the Seahawks have the edge. Now, the other story is Marshawn Lynch. It's the first time he's going to be playing against Pete Carroll and the Seahawks since they infamously did not feed him the ball on fourth down uh, and lost the Super Bowl consequently to Tom Brady and the Patriots. So this is going to be a big revenge factor for Marshawn Lynch, and he's going to have a big game. But I think at the end of the day, even if he gets 150 yards rushing, Seattle's still going to win this one, and I'm going to chalk it up to the difference in coaching. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Chucky's um, team management skills seem to be lacking. He just doesn't have what he used to have as a coach, whether it was too much time in the booth or what have you. He doesn't seem to have control over the game as it's played nowadays. Pete Carroll's been in it since basically he left USC twisting in the lurch with a bunch of uh, infractions from the NCAA. Then he has gone to a, a couple Super Bowls. I, and if, they, if their offensive line plays like it did last week and Russell Wilson can have that kind of game, Oakland doesn't stand a chance. No, they don't. And just going back to this coaching matchup, a good example. Look how Pete Carroll handled the Earl Thomas situation versus how John Gruden handled the Khalil Mack situation. Now, unfortunately, Earl Thomas is out for the season with a broken leg, uh, but Khalil Mack is racking up you know, at least a sack a game now that he's in a great place in Chicago with a great defense. So I think, I think Gruden lost a bit of the locker room with that, the way he handled it. So, again, I think the guys show up for Pete Carroll. Uh, this is the first time they've ever played outside of the United States, so be a test for them as well. I don't know what the buyout is on uh, Chucky's contract, but uh, they're going to have to exercise that eventually if stuff doesn't turn around, and that's crazy at $10 million a year for 10 years. I, it, the way he's going right now, it doesn't look like he'll get past year two. Or week 10. Yeah. <laughs> it's up to New York, New York, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. We picked them last week, and they rose to the occasion. They're playing against the struggling, struggling. Indianapolis Colts. And, struggling. Uh, yeah, and New York, they are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Yeah, so, yes, the Jets did beat Denver. They beat them soundly. They beat them on the ground, uh, rushing for over 300 yards between... Um, Crowell and Powell, which is unheard of. It was unreal the how much they exposed the run, run sorry rushing attack rather for the Broncos. It wasn't the best spot for the Broncos either, which is why we picked the Jets. Now let's look at injuries here. Looking at the injury report, the Jets have 16 guys on the list this week. That's probably about league average. On the other hand, Indianapolis, 28 guys on their injury report. That means there's more guys on the injury report than aren't on the injury report. So <clears throat> this is not about Andrew Luck versus Sam Darnold. That's the way it's going to be billed. But this is going to be whose backup players are better than his backup players. And right now, I think the Jets covered seven of eight last year at home, and they're uh, trending to do something similar this year. They, they, they just play well at home. 
And you know, if long as it stays under a field goal, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the uh, the New York Jets. To Minnesota, where the Purple People Eaters are 10-point favorites against the sucky Arizona Cardinals. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't have much to say about this other than Minnesota better beat them by at least 10. Well, the sucky Arizona Cardinals beat my even more sucky 49ers last week. Despite the fact that the 49ers statistically outperformed them in terms of passing yardage, rushing yardage, uh, first down conversions... Um, everything but the scoreboard, and that was because of five turnovers that the 49ers committed versus zero that the Arizona Cardinals committed. Yeah, that's a, that's a kick in the balls, buddy. It is. So they're averaging 13 points a game on offense, if you remove defensive touchdowns from Arizona stats. 13 points. Minnesota is still stinging from that loss to Buffalo at home. Stinging. They're going to put on a show, and I just... Uh, well, I pity Arizona this week. But I pity the fool. I, I pity Arizona. I Laying 10 points, at least it's at home, but I see like a 31-10 game here. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree with you, bud. Like Minnesota's defense is starting to look like the defense we expected to see based on how they played at the end of last season. And Kirk Cousins looked pretty comfortable in purple. He looks really good in purple. I'm going to have to cash in my wise guy card. I'm going to take the chalk 10 points. Let's go, Minnesota. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati WKRP. Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking. Town to town. To the Natty, where they are actually two-point favorites against the visiting Pittsburgh Steelers. This one is, uh, I don't know how that line got set because I, I can't see Cincinnati being favored over Pittsburgh. Not yet. Cincinnati can't string more than two games together. Well, this is the first time that Cincy has been favored over the Steelers since night or since 2015. So that dates back quite a few games. These guys see each other at least twice a year. Um, in the last 10 games, straight up, Pittsburgh's won nine of them. So Roethlisberger kind of owns the Bengals, if you want to put it that way. Owns, 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 owns. These two teams, in terms of uh, total points scored, are fourth and fifth in offensive production. So. Again, high-scoring game in this one. I think Pittsburgh has the better defense, though. Yeah, if you look at the way that Joe Hayden shut down Julio Jones last week, yeah, well, Julio Jones didn't have a reception until the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was garbage time. Yeah, and so he's going to shut down A.J. Green in, in the same fashion. Tyler Eifert's obviously out, uh, as usual. I don't know. I think I just like the way that Connor is uh, showing himself in the backfield as a legitimate RB1. And and they've been able to, Bren Roethlisberger anyway, has been able to find Antonio Brown for a few, t- few touchdowns. 
boys spreading the ball around. Like yep. Vance McDonald and Jesse James and Juju Smith-Schuster is getting it when Antonio Brown's being double-covered. He's got, he's got a lot of places to throw the ball, and I'm liking I'm liking him to put uh, put a bit of a clinic on. It's going to be a really high-scoring affair, but I think Pittsburgh scores more than the Bengals do. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Dogg. Dog Pound, y'all better turn up this week, man. Y'all got a new feeling, new spirit. Let's go get it done, Dog Pound. That's right. Snoop Dogg just told you to get your dog masks on and throw them a bone because Cleveland at home against the L.A. Chargers, and they're one-point underdogs. And now, uh, is Cleveland not getting enough respect here, Andy? Well, first off, Mr. Snoop Doggy Dog abandoning his Steelers for the Browns? I guess you kind of have to when your name's... Snoop Doggy Dog, but look at okay. Let's look at the Chargers. Okay, they're three and two. The two games they lost to were with against the Chiefs and the Rams, both of which are undefeated. Cleveland, though, arguably could be five and zero oh. if you look at you know yeah. if if you take back a couple missed field goals, uh, a couple bad penalties that should not have been called on them. They could have easily been perfect. And in fact, they haven't lost at home yet. It's there's a buzz in Cleveland, man. There is a buzz about these Browns. And I'm on I'm on board. I'm on board the Browns bandwagon. I can't even believe I, as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm almost flabbergasted. But here we are. Their here we de- are. Their defense is making me like fired up for them. They're they're gonna keep them in every game. Oh, oh, absolutely. And Baker Mayfield is just getting a little bit better each game. And he's got some guys to throw to now. And, you know, they've got a solid running game, too. I, I'm, and, and the Chargers, they're so consistently inconsistent. You never know we're going to lay an egg. But you can certainly know that it, when they do, it's going to be on the road. I don't know. I With Joey Bosa still out, I, I, Anna, I need to give the edge to the home team dog. Literally, the dog pound. Let's go Browns. One, two, three. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. The Houston Texans are at home this week against the Buffalo Bills. Houston, 10-point favorites, which uh, seems to be kind of a large spread, seeing as how Houston's offense has been Best described maybe as lackluster this year. Lackluster? Jeez, you're being kind. Yeah, I guess. How about this? Deshaun Watson couldn't hit sand if he fell off a camel. Yeah, and you know what? It's almost like he did fall off a camel or fell off something because he's got a chest injury. Well, that's what it's listed as on the injury report. But I heard that he actually punctured his lung. And if that's the case, this line is going to dramatically change when they introduce their second string quarterback a mr wheaton yeah that's right wheaton i don't know why the line hasn't dropped yet i'm and they don't need to disclose any more information other than it's a chest injury and i'm not sure if they're just doing this to confuse the bills but even if deshaun watson's in there he's gonna be playing hurt and buffalo's got a pretty good pass rush I was just, pretty fired up for Bills fan last week too. I, I thought they were gonna just crap that game away, and they come back or they they, they held on to win it. Mm-hmm. Oh, dramatic fashion! And 
I think that momentum is going to carry carry over here. Ten points is way too much. Houston doesn't deserve to be ten point favorites against a high school team. Well, let's go Bills. Let's not uh, let's not think too much about it. All right, we're going to be sticking to the AFC East where uh, Miami at home are four-point underdogs against my Bears. They're coming to to visit Miami. Uh, So you know that everybody, all eyes are going to be on this game because the Bears are number one in the NFC North, and rightfully so because they are the Bears. Bears. Uh, What do you think, Andy? Because, I mean, I'm a little bit biased. I think that they're going to win by 80 points. Is that, is that with Ditka lining up under center? There's nobody better than Ditka. Oh, buddy, if Ditka lined up. It, it, he he wouldn't score six touchdowns. He'd score. He'd t- throw for seven touchdowns. Yeah, you would literally bet on infinity. Well, Mitchell Trubisky is coming off a bye. I'm sure he enjoyed his, his week off having that six-touchdown performance two weeks ago. That was incredible. We're never going to see it again. Don't hold your breath. Um, Miami, wow, up 17 nothing in Cincinnati, and you let that thing roll away from you in the fourth quarter. Two unlikely interceptions that just fluky, fluky. They, they probably should have won that game. But there's a couple significant injuries on that team. So two weeks ago, Daniel Kilgore, their center, uh, had a tricep injury. So this will be the second week in a row that he's not playing. Laramie Tunzel, their left tackle, is out this week. Now, you might, Laramie Tunzel, that name rings a bell. Well, it might ring a bell for this reason. When he was drafted from Old Miss two years ago, a day before the draft, there's a photo of him wearing this sort of Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter sort of mask that was attached to a bomb. And it was bellowing out with smoke. And But the oddest thing about the photo was the fact that the guys in Mississippi... Larry's a black man, and there was a Confederate flag behind him. It was just the weirdest thing. But anyway, he's an actually he's actually a really good player. I uh, went high in the draft, but uh, he's going to be out. So they're losing a big portion of that offensive line. So you can imagine the kind of field day that guys like Cleo Mack and um, Rokon Smith are going to have. Now, this line, as of yesterday, was a, a field goal. It was exactly a field goal, which I thought was about right. Because a field goal, it was kind of a coin toss to me. Now that it's moved to four, I'm, I'm going to second guess. And the the only other factor that I'm considering here is the fact that it's going to be almost 90 degrees. And Chicago Bears aren't used to playing in that sort of temperature. Not many teams are. The Bears. I'm going to go with the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. That's my guy. I'm going with the Bears as well, as if I ever go against the Bears. <laughs> well, I'll let you know when it's time, but I don't I don't know. I, something's wrong in Miami. I just, I think Tannehill's going to be chased around like Rocky chased that chicken around in the first movie. To the Mile High City, the Denver Broncos are facing off against the visiting L.A. Rams. 
Denver's seven-point underdogs at home. And the L.A. Rams, Andy, they are um, they're number one on a lot of people's power rankings uh, for the NFL. I'm not quite sold on that just yet. I think that KC should be number one on the power rankings, especially with the way the Rams played Seattle last week. What are you thinking about this game? Well, last week we called the, the Jets game uh, when the Broncos were there. Uh, we called it the sandwich game of the week. Now, last week, we saw the Rams barely beat the Seahawks. They had to come back to do it. The Seahawks probably should have won that game, but, you know, hats off to Jared Goff. They played really well, well enough to win, well enough to stay undefeated. They lost Cooper Cup, and they lost Brandon Cooks, both with concussions. I'm not sure if they're going to be back in the lineup. If they are, they're going to be a little shaky. So there's two great weapons that are not going to be at their disposal. So are you calling this a sandwich game? I'm going to call this the sandwich game of the week. It's an almost wise guys sandwich game. Now let me just clarify it. So the reason why it's a sandwich game is because the Rams played the divisional foes Seahawks last week. Um, This week they're still on the road and next week they're again on the road for a third week in a row playing against my Niners who I know aren't going to win the Super Bowl, but they're going to keep a divisional game like that pretty close. So, in keeping with the spirit of the British theme this week, I think it would be apropos to mention that the word sandwich was named after John Montague, the fourth Earl of Sandwich, an 18th century English aristocrat. It is said that he ordered his valet to bring him meat tucked between two pieces of bread. And then others began to order the same with sandwich. It is commonly said that Lord Sandwich was fond of this form of food because it allowed him to continue playing cards, particularly cribbage, while eating without using a fork and without getting his cards greasy from eating meat with his bare hands. That's my kind of guy right there. I like the fourth Earl of Sandwich. Yeah, I like and I love too. cribbage. Cribbage is a great game. I don't play it that often. I, I should probably should get into it more, but I just haven't. So... Denver was rather embarrassed by a certain Kansas City team two weeks ago at Mile High when they were winning by 10 points in the fourth quarter at that altitude. Ooh. Has the shine come off of Mile High? No, it has not. And if they are going to keep Mr. Vance Joseph his job, I think they're going to have to come up with a big effort here. So... I'm not only going to say that Denver covers the spread, but you might want to consider a money line of action here. All right, to the Music City we go. It's the Tennessee Titans at home against the visiting Baltimore Ravens. Tennessee, two-and-a-half-point underdogs. A lot of home dogs this week, eh, bud? Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. Um, This one's side of two-and-a-half most of the week. Not much movement there. And we usually like home dogs, don't we? Well, we almost always like them, except not in Miami this week. No. Um, not in Miami. So, two and a half doesn't seem like a big spread. And the reason why is because it isn't. However, you have to consider the fact that neither of these teams scored a touchdown last week. So, a field goal is kind of like a touchdown for these for these two in this game. It's going to be low scoring. You're going to see a great defense on both sides. But... I'm not sure exactly which Baltimore team is going to show up. 
which quarterback for the Baltimore team is going to show up? Is it the one that throws up 29 points on the Steelers on the road? Or is it the one that typically lays a goose egg when they go on the road? I'm going to say the latter, and I'm looking for Tennessee to squeak this one by. Their three wins have all come by three points this year. I'm looking for another field goal win for them. On to Big D. The Dallas Cowboys are at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dallas is uh, three-point underdogs at home. And instead of who shot JR, you got to wonder when Jerry Jones is going to shoot Jason Garrett and put him out of his misery. Well, someone should. It's painful. It's painful to watch him. Like, I'm sorry, fourth and one in overtime, and you're on the opposing team's 42-yard line with Ezekiel Elliott in the back field and yet don't run the ball you punt instead come on man yeah he he's what has he got one playoff appearance in uh in nine or ten years with the cowboys yeah it's 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 brutal like tim tebow's had more <laughs> no he has literally uh, so the thing with jacksonville and again these are not high scoring teams i will say that these Two teams have one of the, two of the best defenses in the league. Um, going to Jacksonville side of the ball, Leonard Fournette will likely be out again with his hamstring injury. The guy hasn't been playing much this year, and they're a different team without him. You saw that last week. So, who did they bring in, Maddie, this week to fill in his role? Jamal Charles. That is right, Jamal Charles. guy that was sitting on the couch probably last Sunday watching the games in his living room. I'm not sure how many touches he's going to get, but at 31, he's at least been well-rested for an entire season. He's going to have some juice in the tank. I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to be putting on a clinic because Dallas has an excellent uh, rush defense. They've got an excellent pass defense as well. The problem is Blake Bortles is going to be Blake Bortles, and he's not going to throw up many points. He is not an elite quarterback. Not even close. Statistically, he's got some good numbers. If you look at him downfield, 20-plus yards. Dallas still has Ezekiel Elliott. And it's, it's, there's, there's hints that Sean Lee might be back in the lineup. He didn't practice yesterday, but his status is now questionable. So if he's back in the lineup, even from a morale standpoint, I think that the Cowboys have a big day. At three points at home, I'm absolutely going with the home dog, and I'm taking my, I'm taking the Cowboys. And now what would probably be called the game of the week for sure, the Sunday nighter, because the New England Patriots play home at Foxborough to the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, New England three-and-a-half-point favorites at Foxborough, but this, you got to think, this is where you see if the Kansas City Chiefs are for real. Well, it will be a statement game. Last year, the first game of the season, they went into Gillette Stadium and spanked them. And that was with Alex Smith on our center. 
Now they have Patrick Mahomes, who's now been anointed the next savior. The next Joe Montana. The next Joe Montana. So we're five we're five games into this year. So five starts this year. That's as many Super Bowl rings as Tom Brady has. And this is going to come down to a Bill Belichick preparing on an extended break because was they've been had ten days off preparing for a very young and inexperienced quarterback. And you might want to call him Superman, but Bill Belichick is going to make him look like something different. I was really, you know, dude, before you start going too far down the England path, I think Casey's defense had something going last week. If they could continue that, I don't know, man. No, that was just because Blake Bortles was, (laughs) Blake Bortles could make any defense look good. (laughs) That's true. That is true. Bite my tongue. And so the league obviously hyping this up, the kid versus, uh, what I'll call the curious case of Benjamin Brady. Guy just keeps getting younger every year. Here's another factor. Boston Red Sox beating the New York Yankees. Pinstripes out. Boston Red Sox in. You don't think these Chowds are going to be fired up? Oh, I think uh-huh. the Chowds are going to be super fired up. So here's here's a good stat for you. Okay, Matty? Last okay. nine seasons at Gillette Field, how many losses do you think that the Patriots have? In the last how many seasons? Nine. Three? Well, it's more than that. It's nine. <laughs> they're averaging one loss a season at home. All right. They're, and covering the spread, they're over 60% easily, and that's that's not even just at home. That's in, just in general in the last 10 years. 62% against the spread. So you can basically just go to sleep, put them on auto bet, and you're going to cover. Three and a half points. I'm not worried about the hook here. Um, I think they win decisively and i'm also going to go so far as to say now that i've called for denver to beat the rams and for new england to beat the undefeated uh chiefs that there's going to be some corks popping in miami from the 72 dolphins To the Monday Nighter, the final game of the week. And uh, your Niners are in tough because they got to head into Lambeau Field and face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't know, nine and a half points. Uh, Green Bay's laying at home. What do you think? This is your well, team. Yeah, yeah, it is my team. Now, the Packers coming off a loss in, in Detroit. That's not going to be good for whomever they're playing next. Happens to be us. Um, one thing I will say about the 49ers, um, they've got a great running back in Matt Breida. He's, he's been putting on a clinic this year. And the reason why I bring him up is that he is questionable for the game. He had an ankle injury. I, I'm doubtful that he's going to be playing at all. And if you don't think that this is a good running back, if you compare his yardage, there's only four guys ahead of him in the league. And their names are Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Isaiah Crowell, and Kareem Hunt. And Breed is number five, and he's not going to be playing. So where does that leave us? That's a kick in the balls. That's where that leaves you. That's a kick in the ball. That's a kick in the balls. Now, if you look at C.J. Beathard's passing statistics, 
his quarterback statistics in general compared to Garoppolo's five games last year and the beginning of this year, they're almost they're almost identical. And that's because they're using Kyle Shanahan's playbook. And you're going to see a lot of short passes. George Kittle's going to have a pretty good day, I think. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, I believe, is back in the lineup. I'm... The wise guy in me is telling me don't go near a nine and a half point spread, even though it is Green Bay at home, especially on Monday night, because they always put on a clinic. The part of me that is the Niners fan saying don't bet on your own team simply because they're your team. Of course, I'm not going to do that. I might do it subconsciously, but I think if you simply look at the statistical matchup between these two teams, the game is going to be a lot closer than nine and a half points, and I'm I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna entirely cash my wise guy card in this week. I'm gonna save a bit of it, so I'm gonna take the the road dog here. What about you, Maddie? I uh, dude, you always like I'm a Bears fan, so my visceral hatred for the Green Bay Packers always clouds my judgment. So I will actually be wearing your Niners colors when they're playing Monday night just for some some subconscious love. I I agree. I, Here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers isn't Aaron Rodgers right now. You can he's, tell him he's getting close. He's getting close to being back. Yeah, but, but watch him roll out. Right. Yeah, watch I know, him roll I know. out of the pocket. They caught him they caught him last game uh from behind with a with a swat and a sack fumble there. Mm-hmm. Uh, his knees injured. He's got receivers that are out. His O line isn't the greatest. I honestly, I think I'm with you, bud. I I think that Green Bay wins this one on the money line, but nine and a half points might be a little too much for them to cover. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're still alive for whatever reason, your survivor pool that's a pretty safe bet. But yeah, too many points for my liking. Please hang up and try again. Now to one of our listeners' favorite segments because uh, Andy's been nailing it this season. It's Andy's Total Prop Tease. This is where Andy makes a recommendation on a point total, proposition bet, and finally a teaser. Now, we invite our listeners to do the same thing on our Facebook page, and a successful Total Prop Tease is any combo that hits two out of three. And, uh, well, take out your Swami hat, buddy. Give us your week six thoughts. Well, yeah, not to uh, to ring my own bell, but yeah, we've for five weeks into the season, and we're five weeks with successful total prop teases. That is because mostly of the teasers. Um, but I'll give a total out here that I mentioned earlier. The Pittsburgh Cincy game is only at fifty three, and I know that this is going to be a high scoring affair. Vontez Perfect is coming back uh, for the Bengals defense, and you know that guy's good for at least two in sportsman-like penalties, moving the ball downfield. I'm looking for a lot of flags to be thrown, and I'm looking for a lot of points to go on the board. So that is my total. Um, right now, Cincinnati's scoring 28 points a game, and Pittsburgh is 28.6. You add those two numbers together, it doesn't come close to going down to 53. So that's a safe one. My prop is a bit of speculation because the number hasn't come up yet, but it has to do with Marshawn Lynn's revenge factor against the Seattle Seahawks. Right now, he's averaging 66 yards a game. So I'm going to guess that he's probably going to be pegged around 75. So if you see that his rushing total of 75 or less, take the over. He's going to have a big day. He's going to hit triple digits, I'm thinking. Now, finally, to the teaser, 
this is a bit of a moving teaser, but they both go through two key numbers of uh, three and a seven. So tease Pittsburgh up to plus eight and tease Tennessee at home to plus eight and a half. So both are going through the field goal and the touchdown. And that's your teaser of the week. Thank you to all our fans for listening to episode six of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week six games across the NFL. Please submit your questions to almostwiseguys at gmail.com or our Facebook fan page. Special thank you to Dave Ward for our Retro Zadies theme song from the Cosa Nostra Studios. For Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. For the rain and the crunch of thing The ice age is coming, the sun's zooming in Meltdown expected, the wheat is going in Engines stop on him, but I have no fear Cause London is drowning I live by the river To the imitation zone Forget it brother, you can go in alone London calling to the zombies of death Quit holding out and draw another breath London calling and I don't want to shout But while we were talking I saw you nodding out London calling, see we ain't got no hide Except for that one with the yellowy eyes The ice is coming, the sun's zooming in Engine stuck on it, the wheat is going through A nuclear error, but I have no fear London is drowning out